we had such a good marriage, in my view. Yes, I believe that we did have a great marriage. We had intimacy. We truly loved each other. It's just I had a whole secret life that in my mind, I'm having a very different marriage than you are because I have a whole reality going on inside of me of my sinfulness, my addictive behavior, my acting out, and the adulterous relationships that you knew nothing about. Has your marriage been shattered by sexual betrayal? Are you wondering if there's any possible way to save your marriage, or even if you want to? Is there just the tiniest glimmer of hope that you and your spouse can work it out, but you have no clue how or where to start? Hello, and welcome to Beyond Broken Vows podcast. We're your hosts, Johnny and Emily Spiegelmeyer, two formerly seriously broken people who have been called by God to share our story of redemption and the hope that lies within every story that's fully surrendered to God. And we have been where you are, my friends. As a result of adultery fueled by pornography, the marriage vows we had exchanged as newlyweds were eventually shattered. However, we are here together to let you know that this devastation we experienced was actually a gift. On our show, we will be sharing the resources we found invaluable on our road to reconciliation and recovery. We'll tackle the topics of marriage, faith in God, infidelity, porn addiction, and recovery. We will also be taking questions from you, our awesome audience. So if you're ready to move from pain-filled todays into hope-filled tomorrows, grab your favorite beverage and spend a little time with us. We want you to know that your story matters and that there is hope for your marriage through Christ Jesus. Marriage is redeemed. Hearts renewed. On Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Hey guys, how are you today? I just want to give a shout out to say thank you to those who requested the resource that we made available from our last episode, The Healing Apology. And many of you shared a little bit about yourselves along with that request. And that just really made our hearts sing. (laughs) Yes. So um, if you haven't yet requested this resource and you would still like to have it, just please reach out to us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. And we will be happy to send that right over to you. So we're going to be talking today about reality. Right. And more in particular, shattered reality. Right. Shattered reality. How do you know what's real? It's a good question, isn't it? So what actually happens to a person who has experienced betrayal? What happens in the mind of one who has their reality shattered in an instant? Well, today we're going to be discussing the effects of this type of mental and emotional injury when someone is betrayed. We'll be sharing with you how this affected us after Johnny's confession of adultery through pornography use and extramarital relationships and how we sorted through the reality that our marriage was not what I thought it was. We'll also share what we did to sift through the wreckage and find those nuggets of truth, which then helped us to start building our new reality together. Yes, thank you. Those are all really good questions, and I hope that in some measure that we can give some answers for those today. Yeah. But before we get going, why don't I open up in prayer? Great. Father, thank you so much for bringing us here today. We're so grateful for another time that we get to spend sharing our lives so that folks can hear how you interacted in our lives, so that we can tell your story. Father, as we try to understand what is real and what is not real, we pray, Father, that through your Holy Spirit, you will reveal to us what that truth is. And that ultimately, when we sift through this, that we will find ourselves back at your feet. 
Thank you, Lord, for this time. We ask, Lord, for you to cover Emily and I as we speak, and you would cover all of our listeners, Lord, with your grace and mercy as they hear the words coming from you through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so there's a question that I have asked you on a few occasions. Most in particular, when we're having a discussion about this very topic here about, you know, trying to understand what's real. And the question was, how do you, Emily, as the one who is betrayed, even believe a word that I say? The betrayer, who is not just an adulterer, but also one who is confirmed to be a liar. If you remember from some of our previous episodes, I used lying to get my way out of trouble. I used lying in order to exaggerate my own position to make myself look better. For whatever reasons I did, lying was just a regular fixture in my life. So here now, I have confessed to you. Mm -hmm. I've gone through a disclosure with you where I lay out details, times, places, and that wasn't even all of it in the beginning. And my question to you, Emily, is how do you believe anything that I said, even in my disclosure when I'm telling you everything, since you don't have any physical evidence, you did not witness any of it? Right. How do you do that? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I mean, when I discovered you were lying to me on that very first day, yeah, that was a shattering of my reality at that moment because I never knew you to be a liar before that. So to go down the road a little bit and start understanding that you were an expert liar, <laughs> like, yes. you, like you were masterful at it. Right. Spent my whole life doing it so yes. that I could work my advantage. And that advantage was always to protect myself, my inner heart that mm -hmm. I thought that needed to be protected from being hurt by others. Right. Yeah. That was so eye-opening to me. And, you know, you're right. It's like you you reveal all this shocking information to me suddenly, and I didn't witness it. I don't have any pictures or videos, texts, or anything to, like, corroborate your story. So how do I even know that your confession is the truth? Honestly, I didn't really think about it back then, whether that was true or not. It was just such a shocking thing to me that I didn't know what to think for a while. I had to take some time to actually let it become absorbed in my brain enough to wrap my mind around that it had actually happened. And even though you were now a liar in my eyes, I believed on some level that it was all true, but I didn't want it to be true. So I had a really hard time accepting that. Yeah, it was just such an overwhelming piece of information that I couldn't even really process that for a while. I remember it was hard to accept the things that you told me that you had done. And I had mentioned in one of our last episodes that I would have some scenarios play out in my mind, whether I was asleep, yes. or whether I was awake, and I would just try to prove, I guess, to myself that they actually happened by imagining you getting caught doing it, you know, me finding you with somebody or me finding you using pornography or whatever the case, my brain kind of needed to validate that or verify it. And, you know, it never could because there just wasn't any evidence, right? It was just 
what you told me. Right. Our pastor had said that part of the problem with the intensity of your feelings is that you were trying to make sense out of the senseless. Yes. Because you had no context. Right. Okay. So for those of you who are listening, we've now framed the idea of what we're talking about now when we are talking about a shattered reality and how do we know what is real? I'm going to start by defining the word reality. Reality is that which is perceived as real and is physically experienced by the senses. But I'm going to introduce a second one, and that is fractured. And fractured is defined as damaged or destroyed in a sudden or violent manner. And the definition that I assembled from the other two is when what you perceive to be real is suddenly and or violently damaged or destroyed. Wow, that is quite the picture, isn't it? Yes, and we went with those words on purpose because we both really felt that that's the way it felt. Yes, it did. It felt like a bomb went off and everything exploded and there was shrapnel everywhere. You know, my life became shattered into a billion pieces. And that is also a concept that I read about in a really great book that was a lifesaver to me after your disclosure. Right. This is probably the first book you picked up to start to grab a hold of what was going on. It was, yes. It's called The Aftermath of Betrayal, and it's written by Michelle D. Mays. I had read from her book a little bit in episode five when we talked about the effects of infidelity and how we made the decision to stay married after sexual betrayal. So if you want to check that out and listen in on that one, because this book was, like you said, it was instrumental in helping me to feel like somebody understood what I was going through. She put into words everything that I was feeling. She does talk about this concept of fragmented reality. Okay. Now, we said fractured reality a minute yes, ago because that was at the point of impact. You know, that was the sudden and violent truth bomb right. that you laid on me, right? And it was very destructive. Then what happens is we move into something called fragmented reality. And so I'm going to read from her book what she says about it. The fragmenting of reality is this experience of struggling to comprehend what has happened. Reality fragmentation is when you discover that the reality you thought you were living is a fiction. Instead, you have been living in an entirely separate reality, but you didn't know it. One of my clients who is in this early stage of reality fragmentation keeps saying to me, my husband and I had a great marriage. We were emotionally connected. We were intimate. We had hot sex and we were madly in love with each other. How could he have been disconnected and distracted without me knowing it? It doesn't make sense. And Johnny, I remember feeling that exact same thing. Yes. We had such a good marriage in my view. Right. And I think you've admitted to me that you thought we had a really great marriage much of the time. Yes. I believe that we did have a great marriage. We had intimacy. We truly loved each other. It's just I had a whole secret life that in my mind, I'm having a very different marriage than you are because I have a whole reality going on inside of me of my sinfulness, my addictive behavior, my acting out, and the adulterous relationships that you knew nothing about. Right. So my marriage experience, unfortunately, was different than yours, and you knew nothing about it. Right. 
So she continues, Meanwhile, she has learned that when she met her husband, he was actively engaged in compulsive sexual behaviors outside of the relationship. He was looking at porn obsessively, seeing prostitutes, sexting with random people online, and visiting massage parlors. For this client, the emotional connection with her husband felt real and better than any previous relationship she had experienced. She thought that they were deeply bonded, faithful to one another, and safe and secure in their relational and romantic connection. When she discovered his secret sexual life, it threw everything she thought she knew into chaos. Now she is in the process of revisiting her relationship and trying to understand what has happened. She asks, how could I have felt so safely connected while my husband was spending hours each day acting out? How could I have thought he was present with me, attentive, and on the same relational page when all along he had a secret sexual life? I remember feeling the exact same thing, having those exact same questions going through my mind. You know, we were, I felt deeply bonded. We parented with purpose. We went to marriage conferences. We really worked on things. Well, we were doing marriage coaching. We were doing marriage coaching. That's right. Isn't that amazing? So yes, to find all of these things out about your secret life really fragmented my reality. It's very interesting. She says, for betrayed partners, reality fragmentation is like living in a hall of mirrors. Each mirror holds a fragment, but the fragments don't seem to relate to each other or make sense. One mirror holds an image of your spouse with a prostitute. Another mirror holds a picture of the two of you making love and feeling deeply intimate. A third mirror holds an image of conversations you had about your goals and dreams. A fourth mirror holds an image of compulsive porn use and masturbation. A fifth mirror holds an image of your partner as a good parent, etc. After discovery, you can find yourself trapped in this hall of mirrors with no way to make sense of the fragmented lies and betrayals. Complicating matters is the fact that you might not get the truth all at once. Instead, it may trickle out over time. That really happened with us too, didn't it? That did happen, yes. Yeah. For instance, your partner might tell you the affair was just an emotional relationship. Then he might confess that, yes, there was sex, but just one time. Later, he may disclose that the affair was sexual for over six months with daily contact. This trickle of information increases your disorientation. As soon as sense is made of the current information, another round of data floods in, washing away the previous version of the truth and sweeping you back into fragmented chaos. One of the most emotionally damaging things one person can do to another is to make that person doubt his or her ability to perceive reality accurately. Reality fragmentation and the resulting disorientation causes betrayed partners to feel as if they are losing their minds. A betrayed partner reflecting back on this early stage told me, I thought I was going crazy. I thought that I was truly going insane. When you're in a situation that is destabilizing to your emotional, physical, and mental functioning, trusting anyone becomes very challenging. While desperately looking for some solid ground to stand on in the middle of the quicksand your life has become, it is difficult to know who to turn to for advice and emotional support. After all, you thought you were on solid ground before, and that turned out to be a sinkhole. So now it feels almost impossible to trust your partner, others, or even yourself. Yeah, I remember you telling me in the very beginning after you read this little book, um, The Aftermath of Betrayal, that... It spoke to you, you connected to it, 
it was what allowed you to give you your first words to express to me about what was going on other than the anger or disgust or shattered, you know, just to even try to put framework to what's going on. Yes, it did. It gave me some vocabulary to be able to put into words what I was feeling for sure. Yes. So we've given you guys all the bad news. We have told you about fractured reality, that instantaneous action that shatters your reality. And we talked about fragmented reality, which are now the pieces that we're looking at, where you view the betrayer in these different forms. And you're trying to figure out how does this all make a solid picture? And it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Because everything's blown apart. Right. One of the great pieces of work that our therapist through the Center for Relational Care did with us was he gave us this idea that we now affectionately call the big pile of crap. (laughs) Right. He didn't use those terms. I don't remember which term he used. (laughs) He might have said junk, but Emily and I, that's just the way we communicate. So we have this big pile of crap that is our life now. It's everything. Our history together. Every word, every action, every experience we ever had together is now in this pile. Like in a landfill, right? It's like I envision it as a big pile of crap in a landfill. And we're sitting in the landfill looking at this mountain of debris that is our life together. Right. And I don't know what's real and what's not. I don't know what's true and what's not. And so we have to then start the painstaking process of sifting through all of this crap (laughs) to find these nuggets of truth. Right. And we're doing it like one piece at a time as we're just trying to find one piece that makes sense. Yeah. Was it real that when we went on this trip that you in the pictures were smiling and holding me and hugging me? Was that true? Were, Were you there with me or was your mind with somebody else? Were you actually enjoying yourself like the pictures look like you are? Or were you putting on an act for my benefit so that you wouldn't reveal how you were truly feeling or what you're truly thinking. Right. So yes, to that point, we had been married 31 years. So that was a pretty big pile of crap we had to go through. And we still are. No, we're actually not done sifting through that pile, are we? No, we are not. It's really small now. Yes. Because we've done a lot of good hard work. And as painful as it is, it's been really good to go through. And it helped me to take those shards, those little shattered pieces of the mirror, and you know, be able to glue them back together, so to speak, to get a clearer picture of what our marriage really was. Yes. So what were some of those keys that helped us do it? One of the keys to helping sort through that was rigorous honesty. Yes. Rigorous <laughs> honesty is probably one of the imperative keys to being able to sort it all out and and figure out what was true and what was not. Because if you didn't start to become rigorously honest with me, then I never would have been able to put those pieces back together because I would see everything as a lie or a potential lie that came out of your mouth. Yes. And so, yes, the rigorous honesty was imperative. And it didn't happen right away, though, did it? No, it didn't. So when you were saying that, I got a little bit of a vision to dovetail with your image of the pile inside of a landfill. 
I never really saw this before, but the image that came to my mind was that each piece of our life that we picked up was like a black lump of coal, but it was identified on the lump of coal what it was. And we had to have a discussion and you would ask me questions about it. And if it turned out to be something that was not good and was a lie and we just needed to put it behind us, it stayed a lump of coal and we moved it off to the side. Okay. But when we found out what was true and good and something that we could hold on to, it turned into a diamond. Oh, wow. And we moved it over to the other side. Wow, I like So that. we had this visual of things that we could grasp that was real and good. Right. And know what wasn't real and, and wasn't good and, and just put that over like behind us. Right. Because right? when our realities are shattered, we're looking for stability. Mm-hmm. What makes sense in the senseless Right. And I can also see if we're climbing on top of that mountain of debris, you're kind of slipping and sliding and losing your footing. You know, it's it's a pile of garbage and you just don't, there's no solid ground. Right. And so as you're going through and sifting through it, you're also feeling like you're on shaky ground and you could fall down and you can get dirty. And that's kind of what happened to us is that as we went through all of these events in our lives, sometimes I fell down and got dirty. I got hurt again. I skinned my knee. You know, it was it wasn't fun. Yes. It wasn't a fun process. Right. And still it happens today occasionally because that's a lot of information to look at things and examine things that our triggers will bring to the surface of our mind. Right. Something that maybe we had forgotten and then all of a sudden we remember and then it has to go through that same process, real or not real. Yes, and speaking of that, so those of you who are listening to us, kind of close your eyes if you're in a place where you can and imagine, do you remember the movie series, The Hunger Games, when Peter Malark is captured and he's taken away and they're basically reprogramming him, turning him into something else and trying to turn him into a weapon against Katniss, but they recover him and he's not the same person. His reality has been shattered. He is on unshaky ground and he doesn't know or understand the context of the world around him, only what they programmed him with. Right. So they start playing this game. I hate to use the word game, but they started this work, this game, but they called it real or not real. Right. And in a sense, that's what you and I were doing. We were playing real or not real when we would pick up that one piece of our life and take a look at it, you would ask me the question, much like you said before, okay, here we are at this place in this picture. We look so happy together with the emphasis on the word we. Right. We look happy together, but I know by the timestamp what was going on in your life at that time based on the disclosure. Right. Were you really with me? Were you really happy? Or were you pretending to be happy while your mind was trying to be somewhere else? And so every time we picked up one of those pieces and you asked those questions, this opened up those times of discussion. These were the hard talks. Yeah, the hard talks, not the bad talks. We decided early on that none of the talks that we had were bad. And why is that? Because they were so much good that came out of them. Mm -hmm. They were really, really hard because they were so emotional and there was anger and there was frustration, there was confusion, there was pain, sadness. I mean, I cried buckets and buckets of tears. I don't even know how a person could cry that much and still have any tears left. Yes. For months, 
But as we did this work, we talked through every single thing that came up. I had to say things to you that I did not want to say because they were painful for me to say them to you. I had to look into your eyes when I said them. And you had to hear these things. You were hearing things that you didn't want to hear. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was really hard. Really hard work, but so worth it. Yes. But doesn't that seem counterintuitive? Well, it does. And we had talked about empathy in our last episode. And it was something that I think is also common for somebody who's hurt in that manner to really be angry at the person who hurt them, but also want to be close to that person that they love, right? So I had this dual thing going on inside of me where we would be talking and I wanted to just put up a wall and I just wanted to hide behind it and don't let you touch me. Don't let you reach me. But on the other hand, I wanted to crawl up into your lap and be held by you. And more times than not, that's the option that I chose. And I think that was very instrumental in our healing because I wasn't running away and you weren't running away. We were coming together. And even as painful as it all was, we were trying to figure out how we could get through this, not throw it away, not throw away all the years. We were trying to stay married. We were trying to recover what was lost. We were trying to just really understand if our marriage was going to survive or not. That's right. So as we moved on, from doing real or not real, because that's really kind of an ongoing dialogue. Right. We uh, we started employing an old adage that says, trust but verify. Right. And then the second one that's cousin to that is forward movement. Forward movement looks like making a decision to trust. Yeah. You know, like we have said before, I trusted you implicitly before D-Day, but after D-Day, I couldn't trust anything you said to me for a long time. And you tell me now (laughs) that I can't trust you ever again. Yes. Because you're a recovering addict, or I like to say former addict. (laughs) But I know that that's a term that you use to stay on guard and humble. Well, I mean, I do use the term that I'm, I'm a grateful recovering sex addict because it is an ongoing process. Yes. But now I have a lot more trust in you than maybe I thought I would ever have. But I also need to verify like I did not used to have to do. I never had to verify whether you were telling me the truth or not. But now we have those boundaries in place. You know, you text me your movements all the time. We have covenant eyes on our phone. We have location sharing. Um, We talk a lot (laughs) about Everything that we're doing, we are together a lot now, a lot more than we used to be. Right. Because you want to be with me now. That's right. Heart, body, mind, and soul. So now we have the marriage that I always thought we had. We have now the marriage that I always wanted. I always wanted to be cherished. In fact, I put that word in our vows when we first got married. Yes. Because I wanted to be cherished and I knew that. And now I can honestly say that I do feel cherished by you. As a 19-year-old, I had no clue what that word meant. Yeah. I just agreed to it because I knew that that's what I was supposed to. And it sounded like a great word. (laughs) It sounded like a great thing to aspire to. Sure. Yes. So being cherished was something that I had always wanted in my marriage. And I feel like I have it now because you know what? It's kind of funny. 
We said that our marriage was shattered. My reality was shattered and our marriage pretty much just imploded. So we don't really even have the same marriage that we used to have. But it's a better marriage now, isn't it? Yes. God didn't take that old marriage and repair it like I was talking about, putting those mirror pieces together with glue. <laughs> That's what you do in your humanness, you know, in your yes. human um, capacity. But God is so much bigger than that. And he was able to give us a brand new marriage. Yes. He didn't just fix the old one. He gave us a new one. He gave us a new one. Yeah. And it kind of blows my mind sometimes to think about the way we are now. And it also sobers me. You know, it makes me sad. I have to be honest that when I see what we have now and I think back about what was lost, it does it does make me sad sometimes. Yes. Because there were so many years that we could have had this and we didn't. Right. But God is faithful. He restores the years that the locusts have eaten. Right. right. And we can see that because he has given us so much newness in our marriage, so many new experiences. Emotionally, we have just expanded our emotional capacity. Um, sexually, he has just surprised us over and over again. And yeah, it's just, it's so good. Yes, it is so good. And I'm so glad that we have this new marriage now. But it's with the same wife that I made a promise to 36 years ago. But what we have is new. Yes. So I wanted to do is I wanted to talk to those who are listening who are actually themselves dealing with or believe that they might be dealing with a sex addiction because my reality was changed over my lifetime because I spent my entire life with a need for affirmation and approval, becoming somebody else in any given situation just to fit in, just to look good or feel confident. I would blend Lots of people would say a chameleon, changing their colors to fit in. It was very much like that. When we talk in our society about a person changing their colors, that's changing their loyalties. That's changing their belief system. And I could do that. I could be one person in one situation and another person in another situation because I did it over an entire lifetime. I could do it successfully. I was believing that I was believing those systems, all the while trying to maintain my own belief system internally, my faith in Christ my belief in strong moral values of what is right and what is wrong and with good ethics. And I was so lost in that. But through discovery, through disclosure, confessions, and working all this out, I had to start sorting out my own reality. Right. And the reason why I brought up this Hunger Games picture with real or not real is that I actually went and rewatched them. And when we got to that place where... You could see when Peter had tears in his eyes, he's looking at Katniss and he's just saying, real or not real. You can see the look in his eyes. He's trying to figure out if what is going on is real or just what was programmed into him. Mm -hmm. And I, I connected with that. Mm -hmm. It's a kid's movie. It's a date movie, right? right? But it had that nugget in there that touched me. It reached in and it grabbed my heart. Mm -hmm. And I could connect with that idea. And I just didn't know how much I had programmed myself. I think I had shared it in another episode where I had a friend of mine after a long motorcycle ride we went on. He always listens to music in his ears when he rides me. I like the quietness in my head now. The chaos is gone. Mm -hmm. And I really like the quietness in my head. But he asked me, what kind of music do I like to listen to? 
And that question took me aback. And my only answer to him was, I don't know. All those years, I learned that I had to like certain music to fit in with the group of people that were accepting me and approving of me, so long as I approved and went along with the way they did things. Mm -hmm. So I learned to like music through their eyes. I learned to like so many things in this world because of the way other people felt about them. So here I am in my middle 50s, and I'm trying to figure me out. Yeah, I remember. I'm trying to figure out what is real or not real in my life. And it was unsettling. Yeah. Not knowing who I really was and what I really like. I am starting to piece those back together now. And I find now that, oh, okay, this is what I really like. One of the things that changed during that process of you trying to figure it out was your personality. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Remember? Because I do. You told me that you created a personality when you were young to get people to like you. Very gregarious, very outgoing, fun Johnny. Yes. And that was the Johnny that I met. That's right. That's the Johnny that I fell in love with. And when discovery and disclosure happened, and you didn't have to be somebody else anymore, you had confessed and I didn't kick you out. Right. I didn't get rid of you. Yes. Which was your biggest fear. That's right. It was. So you you didn't really have to do that anymore, and your personality changed. You became a very different version of yourself than I was used to, and I honestly didn't like it. Yes, I was like, oh my goodness, I I do love him, but I don't I don't think I like him anymore. <laughs> you know, I remember that conversation when we were sitting on a couch one evening a couple of years back. And we were talking about recovery and trying to sort through, am I really different? Am I really a different person now? And you looked at me and said, I know that you are no longer that man because the man sitting in front of me is nothing like that. And I don't even know if I like you. Mm -hmm. So to hear it from my side, that was good news and bad news. It was good news to hear that my wife kind of for the first time, was connecting that I wasn't that old man anymore. That was really good news to me. It felt good. There was some relief in there that she was seeing that there really is change, that recovery is working. It's not just a convenient excuse to get out of trouble. You know, oh, I'm a sex addict. Oh, that that gets me out of trouble somehow. But to understand that you were unsure if you even liked me, I actually did not find that unsettling because in recovery with the serenity prayer, I was learning to accept things that I can't change and I couldn't change that. So you kind of took your time and sort of answered that question on your own. Yeah, it took me a little bit of time to really figure out if I could like you this way, the new way. But you were also very injured yourself. You've always been kind of a person of extremes. You, your pendulum <laughs> your pendulum swings wide. And so you kind of went the very opposite of that gregarious persona for a while. But you did start to come back to the middle after some time. And that's somebody that I could like. Yes. <laughs> I do like you. In fact, I was actually afraid to let that gregarious personality show up again because internally it felt like I was an addict again. Right. And so it really took some time to sort through the real or not real of that. Right. We had a lot of discussions with regard to that. But it's time for us to try to understand what it is 
that God has to say through his word. Emily, you want to read that one for us? Yes, this is a scripture verse that I learned way back in childhood. Actually, it's one of those standby verses. And I grew up on the NIV version. And so that's the way I'm going to read it. It's trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Yes, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the first place that we have to go. Where you were not able to trust me, you said in a previous episode, you had to learn to trust Jesus in me. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so then from the message version, this same verse reads, Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he is the one who will keep you on track. Yeah, I like that version because it just gives a little bit more texture to it. It really grabs you emotionally. (laughs) So, yeah, trust in the Lord because he saw the whole picture, right? Yes, he did. All I saw was these fragmented pieces of my life, but he saw my whole life. You know, even those times that I was thinking, why, God, didn't you stop this earlier? Why did you even let this happen in the first place? He saw the whole picture of your life and my life and how it fit together in his plan. And we talk about in our description of this podcast that what happened to us was so painful, but it was really a gift. Yes. And when I first heard that from somebody's mouth, I was just like, are you crazy? A gift? Right. How could that be? (laughs) Do you not know what has just happened? But as time went on, I could see that it truly is a gift. It's a gift of redemption. You know, it's a gift of seeing who God really is and how faithful he is and how no matter what decisions we make or others make for us or how our lives flow in and out of good and bad and confusing and joyful He sees it all, and he orchestrates this beautiful plan for our life that we can't really even mess up. So it is a gift. It's a gift that helped me to grow. I am such a different person today than I was before. Right. I'm a lot less naive than I used to be. (laughs) That's a good thing. And just so you know, she is very different, and I really like her. (laughs) Oh, thanks. Yes, I've grown a lot. I've been able to empathize more with other people because of the pain that I've gone through, God has really helped me to put him back on the throne of my life rather than our marriage. Yes. You know, there's been a lot of things that I consider a gift from what has happened. And then having a marriage now that is just, it's just everything that I ever wanted. Yes, me too. And we can really receive these gifts because of what this passage that we just read says. Trust God. Trust God completely. The NIV says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And when we make the choice to not lean on our own understanding, meaning what Emily said earlier is that we don't have all the pieces. We can't get them all right, but God sees them all simultaneously. But when we acknowledge him in all of our ways, he's the one that makes our path straight. Right. And when we get to the end of all of this of what is real or not real, That's how we navigate through it. That's how we get solid ground to stand on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's the solid ground. He is. So in recap, we want to tell you, 
Take the time to sort through everything about your life together. Address all the issues in real time. That's the real or not real. Trust but verify. Make that decision to start trusting, but verify what it is that you're trusting. And then trust God to lead you. Yes, absolutely. That's the way that we've been doing it since D-Day. And we continue to do those steps and it works. It's an everyday function for us. It is. And some people may say, talking about what happened, doesn't that keep it fresh and keep all those emotions raw and, and just not let you heal? And you know what? I think the opposite is true. I think that talking about everything and walking through it together helps us to heal. Mm -hmm. I think that, yes, it might be fresh and there might be some pain, but it's an opportunity to then figure out, again, what is real and what is not real about how we're feeling and to move on and move forward. Yes. The more that we've worked on this, the greatest value I believe that we have learned together is to stop trying to avoid the pain. Yes. It's going to come. It's going to happen. We can't get away from it. And so it's best to just deal with it, continue to talk about it. New information comes out for better, for worse, every time you talk about it. Remember, these are hard talks. They're not bad talks. Yes, and those things that keep coming up without our permission, we call those triggers, right? Yes. And we are going to talk about triggers next week, right? Right. So, yeah, looking forward to that. But in the meantime, we want to give you guys a little bit of homework. Yes, we do have some homework for you. Continue working on your rigorous honesty. Continue working on your healing apologies and make decisions toward forgiveness. We talk about all of these in episodes 8, 10, and 11. And if you miss those, take a little time and go back and listen, or listen to them again to gain a better understanding of them. Thank you so much for being with us as Emily and I took a lot of time to kind of talk through how we sorted out what is real and what was not real in our lives when I blew up Emily's world. Emily, would you close us in prayer today? Yes, I will. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for today, for the opportunity to talk about a process that we used to figure out what in the world was real <laughs> and what wasn't real. And Father, I know that you helped us do that. I don't know how we could have done it without you. We just didn't really know what we didn't know. And I thank you for revealing those things to us and giving us the courage and the strength to do it and that you were our solid ground that we could stand on while we did it and are continuing to do that. And we pray for those who are in a similar circumstance, Father, that you would help them to see that the real things in their life, the truth in their life, it's worth fighting for. It's worth figuring out and taking the truth of those things in their life and building another better life together as husband and wife. So thank you, Father, for how you redeem us, how you restore us, how you give us new things. And we just want to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Emily. If you would like prayer for your marriage, please send your specific request to us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. One of the things that we have really enjoyed is how God has taken this message and sent it around the world. Mm -hmm. We now know that we are being listened to in 27 countries. Yes. And for that to happen in just the two months that we have been working on this podcast, that is a God thing that is happening there. Yes, absolutely. But what it also tells us is that this issue 
goes all around the world. Mm -hmm. It's not an American thing. It's not a, a Ukraine thing. It's not something that's going on just in Great Britain. It's in a way something that unites us all. It's not necessarily something that we all want to be united with, but I think that it helps us to understand that we're not alone. Yes. And that we're kind of are in a little bit of a fellowship around the world. Yes. So again, thank you for listening in. And we look forward to having you back with us next week. So until next time, marriage is redeemed, hearts renewed on Beyond Broken Vows podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. And before you go, if this podcast has encouraged you and you're feeling some hope for today, please share the show with someone else you know who is going through a similar situation and needs to know that they're not alone. One of the best ways you can help us reach more people is to leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. And don't forget to hit subscribe so that you don't miss out on upcoming episodes. And as always, we would love to hear questions from you that we can answer on our midweek show. Just email us at support at beyondbrokenvows.com. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.